0: What's up, guys? Welcome to the Social Media Entrepreneurs Podcast, teaching you how to become a full-time entrepreneur by leveraging modern social media strategies. Today, I'm joined by Lloyd George, better known as Lloyd, not George. And he is going to be sharing a way that he has been able to make an over 50K income, getting closer and closer to the six-figure mark too, uh, with less than 2,000 Instagram followers and less than 20,000 followers uh, from all of his social platforms combined. And usually, you don't see people making a higher dollar amount than their follower amount. And it really comes down to having a very specific strategy that he's going to teach you today. So if you wanted to start your own online business, especially creating content, but you don't want to make some plan to get over 100K before you start getting the brand deals that start paying you out. I mean, it is a long road and it is by no means guaranteed. It is almost uh, a lot of luck at that point when your plan is to gain hundreds of thousands of followers, especially at this point. maturity on social media so uh lloyd is a so a ugc content specialist is one of the main ways that he makes money Uh, but we're going to be breaking down his content strategy everything so if you're looking for a new way to make money this is a great podcast to come to or even if you are a current business or creator just looking for those tips and tricks to get your content to do better you're going to learn a lot so lloyd how's it going today man
1: Derek, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for that great intro. I'm super excited to be here.
0: Yeah, pleasure. We actually uh, met each other at a business conference recently. Probably one of the best things that ever comes out of business conferences is just uh, knowing some people from the online right. world actually in person that they actually exist. Um, but yeah, we met through a mit- mutual friend, Simona Constantini. Uh, I hope I said it right. And uh <laughs> I just knew that this guy knew his stuff. And she was on, he was on uh, her podcast. And I saw some TikTok clips that were like really solid. So I knew I had to reach out. But especially when I figured out what money you were making compared to your size of audience, that there's something that you're really doing special here. So to start off, could you just give us like a macroscopic view of how your business model looks?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my passion is creating content. That is like the thing I love to do. And that's the reason I started creating content on TikTok and Instagram. Um, But as I continued to do that, I realized that the likelihood that I was gonna get a million followers to then, then become an influencer is just like unlikely, just like statistically, literally like unlikely. And so I didn't want to feel like my dream to create content for brands and monetize this passion that I had was dependent on my follower count growing. And so what I started to try and figure out is what were the other ways I could start earning money while creating content for people. Um, And so I started very, very small by just doing UGC content, which essentially means that brands that wanted content for their page would pay me to make content that they can then post on then, their accounts, almost like a talent or actor for hire. Um, and as I started to expand, I started to niche down, which meant that I was talking about a singular topic, which made it even easier to work with brands in that niche to monetize content about that topic.
0: So do they find you first or are you reaching out to the brands?
1: About 99% of the brands I work with find me first. And, and while I am like grateful for that, I don't think that that's like a good thing. I ran into someone that does essentially what I want to be doing 10 years from now. So a, a creator that's a lot bigger than me. I mean, way over six figures per year. And he basically told me that when you have like, when you figure out the sales system of what you're trying to do and you have a system to attract new clients, you'll double and maybe triple your income. But I'm just not there yet. But that's where I aspire to be.
0: Yeah. You definitely want to have some way to outbound prospect customers. Otherwise you're always just creating more content and fingers crossed someone reaches out to you. You also can be a lot more selective with who you work with when you have that kind of leverage. Um, So was it always like that, that they were always finding you first? I know there's a lot of services out there that try to find influencers for brands. Is that mostly who's reaching out to you or is it the brands? specifically or like uh your first deals did you have to um you know reach out
1: to the companies yeah so from the very jump a lot of brands were reaching out to me and i had i started on tiktok and so i had this strategy right where um this is when i was still pretty small on tiktok but i was still niche. And so my niche was talking about podcasting. And so what I would do is follow all of the brands that are in the podcast space, right? Like your hosting companies, your microphone companies, I would follow all of them on TikTok, and then I'd create content. And when people would drop comments, I'd try and tag those brands. So for instance, if someone asked me, how did you get started in podcasting? I knew that just by answering that question, I could probably tag three or four different brands by saying, well, I hosted my podcast here, i got my mic here. And so it became a thing where I was tagging them like over and over and over and over again, enough so that they noticed me and were able to follow me. And then once they followed me, I knew great. I could send them a DM saying, Hey, I'm Lloyd, would love to collaborate at some point. But even with, even at that point, I still knew that like, Hey, like that, that it was going to be a relationship thing. And it would probably take me three months, six months to close some of those clients.
0: So you did warm outreach, but not totally cold outreach to microphone companies and
1: hosting platforms and such. Exactly. So I, um, you know, from the, from the time I sent that, I'd send that message saying like, Hey, we'd love to collaborate at some point. Um, it would be probably like three or six months before they'd reach out and say, Hey, we actually have an opportunity. Let's do ABCD. Um, and so I guess from that perspective, I was like, that was like my outreach.
0: Nice. And, uh, who are the main companies that you've worked with?
1: Yep. So to date, uh, I've worked with uh, Spotify. I create social media content for them surrounding like the topic of podcasting. I've also worked with LinkedIn, creating a podcast course for them. Um, I've worked with podcast hosting companies like ACAST. I've worked with a company called Riverside, um, a lot of podcast specific companies. But my dream eventually is to kind of branch out of podcasting and tech a bit and work with brands like Warby Parker or, um, you know, uh, brands in the skin space like Curology. Um, And so starting in podcasting and starting so niche gave me the confidence I needed to not only work with brands, but get better at creating content.
0: So getting into those other types of companies like Warby Parker and the skincare companies, would you make new accounts and just follow your own strategy? Or are you trying to make this all under your personal
1: brand? Uh Um, I am the master of telling people to niche down. So I've always been pro like have multiple accounts because it's easier for brands to notice you. But with this new approach, I'm actually going to be doing it all under a singular brand. And the reason for that is um, it's just easier to maintain. And so instead of diverting your attention to create five separate accounts that highlight your skill set and act as your portfolio. You might as well do that under one account. Um, And so I'm slowly starting to branch out of this specific content style while still keeping it relatively similar. So for example, my audience is used to me doing talking head videos, explaining things that are happening in the podcast space. I'm doing the exact same thing. Last week, I released a video doing a vlog but still telling them about something that's happening in the podcast space. And so that's one just example where you can diversify the type of content you create. So that it's still appealing to a brand like Warby Parker, but still serving my audience and, and what they're used to. Have
0: you found that it's a little bit more okay to go outside of your niche on TikTok and then hashtag it appropriately? Like TikTok's pretty good at making sure it gets out to the right uh, people in Instagram is good at showing your content to people who already follow you like are you going to be doing everything under one account on instagram and and all the the platforms
1: i'm still figuring that out um i have a few uh burner accounts on tiktok that i create content on just to test what's happening on the platforms and i find that on tiktok all of my separate accounts in different verticals are performing very 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 well part of it is, is just that like the accounts new and i get to test more things, but. Also, just because it's so hyper focused on a specific audience. So it's like 50 people comment on a post, that post is gone. Like it's, I mean, I, I, on one of my project management accounts, it's doing almost like 250,000 um, views per month. And so um, I'm still exploring what it would look like to consolidate all of the things I created and talk about into one account. Um, what I have been intentional about that I, that I think matters more than how you present yourself on social media, when it comes to monetizing is like your relationships. And so for instance, like that, I think is like something we don't talk enough about that. It's like, Hey, it kind of doesn't matter how good of a creator you are, or even kind of like how many followers you have. I think what matters is the right person at that specific brand, knowing who you are and seeing your content. And so there are so many other ways other than like creating content and presenting it on social media that you can get the attention of some of those people going to conferences is like a great example of this.
0: How would someone go about picking a niche to be a UGC content creator? Can they pretty much just go with any niche that they specialize in and know about? Or are there some, like you said, you're getting into skincare. I would imagine that that's obviously one of the more competitive ones, whereas the podcast one, they're probably like, oh, cool. We, we finally have an influencer. (laughs) Like, uh, you know, like you were one of the 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 first dozen at least that they probably ever ran into um was that part of the strategy trying to go somewhere where there wasn't as many influencers or can you really just compete anywhere
1: that is such a great point that was exactly the strategy and when i started creating podcast content it was so early that there just weren't that many people talking about podcasting and the way that I was. And so I was able to get some practice and um, improve like my craft. Um, And so as I try and branch out now, um, I think part of the strategy, if I was going to give advice to someone that's looking for a niche, I'd encourage them to start with something that you're passionate about, something that you care about. A good question to ask yourself is to sort of like, what do I talk about on a daily basis? If I was just to survey like the conversations I have with my friends, the people I live with, what am I constantly talking? about. And more than likely, that thing is a great starting point. Another way to do this is to just evaluate the products you have. So at the time when I got into podcasting, I was already a podcaster as a hobby. And so I had all this free equipment that I could review. And so the same could apply to skincare, right? Like whatever skincare you use, ask yourself, can I review this company? Um, I even switch products just based on like what brands will work with me. So for instance, I may switch to a smaller skincare company instead of a company like Urology, knowing that it'd be easier for me to land my first brand deal with them.
0: Are you looking into their affiliate commission structure on their website and things like that too when making this decision?
1: I am not. I actually hate like affiliate programs. Um, I just think They're very unfair towards like the creator. There are a few times where I think they work well, but generally speaking, I don't think they work that well. I like thinking about the work I do more as sort of like talent for hire, right? Like I want to feel like I'm doing a commercial where it's like, hey, regardless of how this performs, I've like done my part and I'm getting paid. Um, And so that that has been a bit challenging. And that may mean you're not going to earn as much money when you first start, but it'll definitely position you to make more in the future.
0: So do you have pretty set pricing or do you get these brands on the phone and are you kind of basing it on how much money you think you would make them because of how many followers they have or how do you go about pricing these
1: ugc deals yeah that's such a great question um i don't have set pricing at the moment um i certainly should have i i the way I do things right now is in no way ideal. I'm sort of someone that's like learning on the job and learning as I go. Like I didn't work in marketing or work in like anything influencer related. So everything I'm doing, I'm doing for the first time. And so I've spoken to lots of other experts that say you should have like a set pricing template that you can share with brands. I'm just not there yet. What I do now is just talk to each brand and sort of evaluate number one, the level of effort that it's going to take me to create this work. But then also number two, like the size of the brand, someone that's like a fortune 500 company should not pay the exact thing. It's like on a case by case basis. A good question that I find to ask myself is just like, is this going to feel worth it? And there's been lots of times where like someone will say, I'll pay you 500 bucks. And it sounds great at first, but then when you start doing the work, it's like, you're procrastinating, you're not motivated to do it. And in those instances, it just means that like, you didn't charge enough. It's the the work is quite literally not worth the pay. And then there's other moments where you feel overpaid. And it's like you're delivering work on time, you're you're motivated to do it. You want to do a good job. So they hire you again. Um, and so that's kind of how I think about it. If I can't answer that question, like does this feel worth it? Then I'm probably like underbilling. I
0: think every business owner, no matter what they sell, product or service, has all had that deal that they did. And then right after, they just didn't even feel good about it. They just would rather not even have the money and have their product or service back. Um, right, just exactly. So in the moment, you're like, I got to close. So you it's like, all right, I'll just comply with the customer's discount. And I closed it. Yeah.
1: You're so right and I feel like you, the UGC space is kind of fluid but I mean what are your thoughts on how you price in like the consulting space because to me it 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 feels more firm than like the UGC space which feels more fluid.
0: Yeah, I uh struggled for a while because on the podcast I get a varying uh level of business owners. I would get brand new business owners that were selling a really cheap product and they had barely any inventory and they're still working their other job and um, or maybe they're still in college. And then uh, or even people in other countries that don't have the best conversion rate. And then I had some people reaching out that um, were already killing it. And uh, you. I, I feel like you want to have set pricing because it, it is difficult to be assessing every customer, like, usually you'll go too low, honestly, Mm -hmm. if you're like, let me just gauge the situation and they'll say something like, I don't have that much money right now. You know, I don't know if I can invest right now. And if you would just do your normal pricing, you'd probably close that person. But because they say these things and you have fluent pricing, like you might adjust, you might do like nice guy pricing or, or you might start building a friendship with this person. And then you'll say, oh, let me give them a discount or whatever. And then you get to the end and then you say it and then they buy it right away and they say, oh, that that was way less than I thought. And you're like, damn (laughs) it. You know, so um, I've had to go to like strict pricing. And then the thing is, you can always go down, but you can never go up. Yeah. After you say a price. So just stick to a price. And then um, if they're like, well, yeah, like I said, like I have no money right now. And you're like, okay, cool. Now I'll acknowledge it, you know, but th- yeah. they're just saying like, who who knows what the number, what number they think is expensive is. Right. Uh, so like everyone's always scared of a price that they haven't heard yet. So I've learned just do the strict pricing and then this makes it so you're not like fumbling at the close yep. and you're not like, it's normally this, but I'll do it. And you're like, still like debating yeah, last yeah. second, what price you should do. Um, so I think the set pricing is the way to go, but it's also difficult to know what that is until you've done enough pitches, because I've definitely done like for a while, I did like three fifty a month on this one offer. And then I quickly switched it to 500. And then I was like, you know what, how about 2,500 for four months? Yep. And then like my closing ratio went down a lot. So then I like you know, it was like 1500 for three. And then I was like, okay, everyone, like now my closing ratio is the same as when it was 500 a month and I'll just do 1500 for three, yeah. like just as an example. And then I was like, all right, like, so a lot of times it is testing before you settle on that final number.
1: That's such a great point. I love that you brought that up because that's definitely something I struggled with. Um, and I know something that a lot of people struggle with. It's like pricing is, it's so hard to gauge, but to your point, you can always go down, you can't go up.
0: Totally. And it's not even hard to go down. Like they won't be mad at you. Like, why didn't you say that price to begin with? <laughs> you yeah. know, you just be like, you know what? Just like a for favor. you.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, so a yeah, you point. can always go down. Um, so that's your main off your UG content specialist is like your main job title if we were to give you one. But of course, any online entrepreneur is always dabbling in other ways to make money. Um, do you see yourself just scaling within this Uh, model that you've got going on, or are you more scaling by adding uh, new models?
1: Yeah, you're so right. And I just want to, like, add something to that, because I I would say that UGC is, like, my primary, like, offering. But I do think that, like, one thing I don't see often is UGC work being paired with familiarity in a specific space. So for instance, when a brand is thinking about hiring me, like if I was just like a traditional UGC creator, it technically would be like, it doesn't matter who we hire to do this because it's not going to live on the creator's page. It's going to live on the brand's page. So anyone will do. But when you think about the type of UGC work I create, that's technically not true because I think what the brand is hoping is that even though this content is going to live on our page, we're hoping that people see your face and say, like, oh, that's like, that's the podcast guy. Like, oh, I trust this. Like, "Like, what's the content about? Um, and so I think if anyone is considering being a UGC creator, still consider niching down on a specific industry, because I think that'll, set you apart even more. And so now when I'm competing with other creators, it's not a hundred creators. It might just be like 10 other podcast creators. So I, I, I would certainly uh, ask that people do that.
0: Picking niches the the longest step in, in any business that you do. And then like, once you figure it out, it's like, oh yeah, duh. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's such a simple answer at the end of the day. But um, I, I've been going through a lot of niches with a marketing agency, uh, yeah. arm of Social Bamboo that I'm going to start that uh, I went through like six or seven before I just arrived at at one. And I was totally confident like each one of them was it um, until I really got in there. Um, but I think it's always very clear once you get started, because you said Spotify for podcasters is paying you. And us as podcasters know that like they're like the main advertisers on their own platform, too. Like they're spending a ton yeah. of money on advertising that so um, they have a marketing budget that they're actively spending it, um, on that. So there's a lot of things like this that you can look out for to see yeah. if you've picked a good niche or not. Um, yeah. obviously you're going to have to pick a niche and then you're going to go in there and then like start doing some digging and, and figuring out, um, you know, exactly how much money there is to be made and, and all, all that. But, uh, yeah. I think to a point that you were making before we Uh, started the podcast is you just have to get started. So let's close with uh, just why that's so important with uh, this business model.
1: Yeah. You know, for the longest, I I thought there were so many sort of like pre-qualifications that I needed to have in order for people to work with me. So I kept saying, well, like my analytics need to be this, or I need to have this many views, this many followers. And And when I'd ask people to like work with me or to sponsor me or to hire me for something, most times they just didn't even ask about that they were just like sure like i like you i trust you i've seen your work it's good let's work together and so all of the things that i worried about before getting started didn't really apply and so i wish if i if there was any advice i could give myself early on it would have been start sooner like you don't need half the things you think you need to get started you might think you need a better camera for quality a better mic whatever the excuse you're telling yourself it's unlikely that that's actually true. You just need to start so that you can go ahead and start getting better.
0: It's so true, no matter what business you start. uh, I think this one even more so than uh, some of the other ones because you could really get hung up that you're not good enough at creating content to approach these big brands, uh, but the brands aren't looking for professional content or they would make it themselves. They're looking for that natural looking content from smaller creators that look like an honest testimonial and review um, from someone else especially because they don't have to you know pay Kim Kardashian prices. So yep. uh, it usually fits in their marketing budget pretty well. Uh, so this is awesome. this is a great way uh, for you guys to get started. Um, anything else that you want to uh, add in here before we close out Lloyd?
1: Yeah, the last thing I just want to say is like, um, we're all unique. Um, and I know that sounds a bit cliche, but um, I didn't necessarily know how unique I was until I got started. And so the n- number of things that I've learned about myself since starting to create content has continued to grow. Um, and so I just encourage everyone that like at the very least, at the like the least part of this process is like, you'll learn a lot about yourself. You'll gain a lot of confidence. And for me creating content, just like sharing my thoughts publicly with the world has been like literally life-changing.
0: It's life-changing because now you have to format all of your thoughts into teachable tips. And then also because now you have to uh, get rid of any kind of judgment of yourself to be able to put yourself out there. And uh, yeah, once you start doing things like that, then all of a sudden, um, you know, public speaking to a small audience may, may not be right. a big feat anymore. Right. So um, absolutely. I can testify to that as well. And where can people find you?
1: Yeah. Uh, people can find me on all social platforms at Lloyd, not George. That's at Lloyd, not George as one word.
0: How, how did that come to be though? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause so you are Lloyd George, person- right?
1: <laughs> yeah you're so true uh my first name is lloyd last name is george and so because it's two first names people just always assume my first name is like george so they're like oh, oh george uh and so it was just like a funny play they're like oh nice. lloyd not george and that just became my thing
0: love it awesome guys well follow lloyd not george on all platforms and reach out if you've got any questions subscribe hit all the buttons and thanks for listening
1: thanks for having me Derek.